Hello and welcome to the Chainsaw Buffet podcast, the podcast that doesn't know when to shut up. We've got a few uh, interesting episodes for you over the next few weeks. We are currently working on getting Jessica Merriman, the founder of Momocon, a good friend of ours, onto the podcast so uh, she can talk about Momocon and some of the guests and what they have planned, because it's coming up in March. And, uh, of course, we plan on being there and doing the whole convention coverage as well. But since she's a good friend of ours and she listens to the podcast and she talked about wanting to be on here, we thought it would be a great time to bring her on. But because she is so busy with uh, preparations for the convention, uh, we've had some scheduling issues in getting her on here. Rest assured, it will happen. It's just a matter of when. Uh, In the meantime, though... Um, while we've been uh, trying to work with uh, scheduling and, and have things come up, and just if you've ever tried to, to get anything uh, done with the podcast with other people, you know how stuff uh, works out sometimes. But uh, in the meantime, we, we just started shooting the shit like we normally do whenever we're just in a room together. And uh, at some point, we decided to hit record. Um, so we've got several just impromptu conversations that uh, go all over the map, but I think I think you guys will enjoy these. Um, the first one that we're bringing to you today um, has has a very timely uh, Valentine's Day uh, theme to it to start. Um, we, we're going to be talking about uh, Groupons, some of the sexist Groupons that are out there, and some of the, the purveying myths about uh gender roles and 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 what men and women should buy each other for the ho- for uh, the Valentine's Day holiday. Um and then we get into a rather lengthy Dungeons and Dragons discussion, um which is something we've always wanted to do but uh haven't addressed nearly enough on the podcast in the past. Um so it's we're we're just I'm just gonna drop you guys in where we started recording, um, so you'll you'll hear Charlie talking about Groupons here in a minute. So enjoy that, and we look forward to uh, bringing you some more of these conversations over the next few weeks. Okay, and then you got the a, a little mini tabletop uh, convection oven again, so you can cook yourself, uh, cook some pies for your man. There's flatware uh, stuff for salad dressing. Oh look, nonstick bakeware because you know you're a crappy cook, and your man is displeased. I'm tired of you burning all the shit. Exactly. This is awful. Who thought this was a good idea? I, they, oh, see, they, not, they should separate I, Groupon out. Okay, Valentine's Day, fine. Groupon goods. Okay, now for her, fine. Then there should be a subcategory for her from him in the 1950s, or for her from him who is sexist. The yes. problem is with all of these. Um, you know, all the, the gender roles issues that people complain about, there's a lot <clears throat> there's a lot of men and women that perpetuate terrible, you know, gender stereotypes and gender roles against themselves because it's just the thing to do. Because it's traditional and that makes it okay. Up. I'm gonna check the for him section and see if there's any anything sexist in it. 
it's probably gonna be all about how uh yeah i know like how you hate doing stuff for your wife but you know you're gonna this... have to because you gotta earn those brownie points somehow are there tools um... yes please tell me there are tools uh, so far no what are what is there this stuff is not sexist. I mean, somebody might think it's sexist, but it's really not. Um, there's, like, gadgets, like GPS. Okay, can can we go ahead and have this discussion? How the fuck can anybody even sell these GPS units anymore? You, you know, if you have a cell phone, chances are because it's the only kind they offer anymore, you have a smartphone which has GPS on it. How did these people stay in business? That's a good question, actually. Dylan? I don't know. I could... You're useless to me, Dylan. You're useless to me. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me... I could see... I could kind of see the point of having a dedicated GPS device if it were cheap enough. But it would be really crappy. Well, I guess that's the problem. Like, okay, I do not have a smartphone. So I could purchase a GPS. However, I... You know... how many people are there like me out there? I, I just can't. I, yeah, I'm. I'm I got to be with you. I don't know. I don't. I don't see how exactly. Well, I wonder um, if there are uses for it in addition to, um, having you know, like having a smartphone or, or a tablet, you know, like a mini tablet, where I'm sure there are applications on the phone that do this as well, but you know. The advantage of a Garmin or a TomTom or whatever is that you don't have to be connected to the internet to get the maps. Okay, so, here's, what I, here's what I need. But you have to I pay need, for those maps, though. You I, do, I, but let's say you're going off into the boonies somewhere where there's no cell phone signal at all. Then you should have printed off some goddamn directions. True. Well, it's... <sighs> yep. Mm-hmm. And here, here's well, my, I mean, not it, just for driving, for hiking, for, you know, all kinds of that sort of but, thing. But, let, okay, here's what I need for, for as, for, because, because sometimes this is as good as you're going to get. All I need is an app for a phone. It doesn't require, or, or, or a tablet, doesn't need an internet connection, does not need 3G, 4G, or 8G. It just needs to, ran, it just needs to be called the random recalculating generator. And just randomly, it just says, Recalculating, so that anyone that's in the car with you thinks you have a GPS. <laughs> that's that's what I want. I want the I don't want the GPS. I want the appearance of the GPS. I want anyone riding with me to think, oh, look at him. He's got GPS. No, I don't. But I fooled you. It's it's now so cheap that you might as well own the thing you're pretending to have. Like, that's a that's a middle class problem. Like. If you are too poor to afford a GPS or a smartphone at this point, you probably don't care about that level of status. You're like, oh, hey, it would be nice to have a car. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, continue. D- Dylan killed the conversation. Yeah, yeah. What, what other kinds of shitty gifts are they suggesting that people buy me? Because let me tell you, if you're looking to buy me a gift... Um, let me just give you a helpful gift guide. Buy me video games, anime, or a gift card for one of those things if you don't want to spend that much money. 
It is it is it is a simple list. It is it is really easy because that that will always make me happy. I will always be grateful for those. Um, and even you if buy you, wanted... me a G, you buy me a GPS, you know what? I got fucking you know two hundred dollar paperweight. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, okay. I'm I'm I am detecting a theme in the for him section. It is either a sort of gadget or thing for a gadget of some type. Like it could be a digital camera. It could be a case for an iPhone or Poor some women such. don't know how to use electronic devices, Charlie. You know, that's just science. I'm not I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna debate that with anyone. But the, world, the world's foremost phrenologists have uh, proven this to be true. Phrenology is a real science and I I I dare anyone to prove differently. But um the other theme running through this I've okay, I figured it out. Women need to be in the kitchen. That is the theme of the for her section. Unless they're getting massages. That seemed to be the other theme. Get a massage, then bake a pie. The men theme, don't typically get massages. Eh, the theme for men is um, here are some gadgets, and here's why you need the gadgets, because you're a lazy asshole. I'm gonna I'm gonna like I'm gonna blow your mind here, because I'm gonna okay. zoom out one more level. Note that in both cases it's gadgets. True. That's but the, the only the, thing the, we know to get for people. But here's the, the lazy gadgets. asshole theme is being played out by what seems to be a large proportion of the for him gifts, which are percentages off chimney and dryer vent cleaning, uh, auto care, car washes, car detailing, pressure washing, uh, duct Automobiles cleaning. Automobiles and home. But no, yes, but it, it, is, it is. It's basically saying, I'm getting you this. Because I love you, but you are a lazy asshole who won't get himself up off the couch, away from his uh, Asus Zen book, and I thought you were about to say his Asus monitor. I'm like, yeah, okay, well, fuck you. I'm still not Uh, getting up. I think Charlie was just being topical and relevant. I'm just reading off. That was the first deal on there was an Asus Zen book. Um, How funny was that? Anyway. (laughs) But... So you, you you are obviously too lazy to do any of these things for yourself. So I've gotten you a percentage off someone else doing them, who I will then sleep with because that guy knows how it's to get more things. of a man than you. Yes. Yeah. That is okay. that is the theme running through the for him section. But how is this fundamentally different than um? How is this fundamentally different than, than the oversized easy bake uh, convection oven? Yes. Mm-hmm. It's it's not. It's it's the same thing. Like it's still stereotyping gender roles. It's just we have a different set of gender roles. And I'm betting if you look at the copy, it's going to be the same copy you see in most advertisements where men are stupid and incapable of doing anything for themselves. It's going to be a copy of the copy. And I do not want to com- come off as like one of these men's rights people who, uh, you, you know, know, men are are a, an oppressed class. <laughs> men don't, you know, especially us white men. Yes, exactly. us, like, us white men, ages hedgehog. 18 to 34, we are we, the most oppressed. We are the most oppressed minority on earth. That is a fact bared out by other facts. And history. And history. This is awesome. I just clicked on the for kids section. I'm not going to go over anything, but the very first thing that comes up, it's a percentage off martial arts classes at a Brazilian jiu-jitsu place. The reason that it's great, though is that the picture is these two really big dudes about to go at it. 
So I can only assume you send your kid to this class to get the absolute shit hell beat out of him <laughs> by this shirtless man wearing boxing gloves who will probably kill your child. That like, sounds like a great gift for my children. Yeah. <laughs> it's a well, very, very late-term abortion. Yeah, very. Well, Tommy, uh, go into class. I'll see you if you come out. I mean, when? Yeah, I'll have I'll, we'll we'll go get uh, we'll go to uh, Cinnabon or Great American Cookie Company, assuming you assuming you survive. You want cookies, don't you? Get your ass in there and get the shit beat out of you by that shirtless dude. Yep, I'm getting a very rapey vibe off one of them too. So if he gets if, if little Tommy gets the shit beat out of him, that may be the best possible outcome for him. Well, I think it's a case of you know like. These guys are actually the bad guys, but they've reformed. But you can only learn how to beat the ever-loving crap out of someone from a person who is more than willing to beat the ever-loving crap out of someone. Wow, that was that was that was weird. That was deep. And I don't mean any of that. That's just. And it, and the first part of it sounded. A lot, I thought you were describing like Twilight or something. How so? I'm not sure, but that's just the vibe I got off of it. I'll, I'll leave you to ponder that over the coming weeks. Oh, Groupon, sometimes I hate thee. Why do you hate Groupon? There's just so much crap to wade through now. Like, it's gotten so big. How to big my, is it? It's so big, it's loaded with crap. That that is the lesson there. Why do I want to buy massage something from Kendra? Why do I care? I I don't. I just I just I, I just can't be bothered, Kendra. I I don't care if you do have large breasts. I I cannot be bothered. Well, I'm I wouldn't say man. you don't care. I'm sure you care. No, I'm a busy man with many busy things to do. And, and and Kendra, you're going to have to do a little more than some weird four-pronged sex aid for massage um, to grab my attention. All yeah. right. I finally, day, got my, Adam. I finally got my desktop up and running. Uh, do you guys have any issue if I start uh, broadcasting, or do we want to wait? or do we... You can do whatever you want because you're a grown-ass man. All right. Well. Kill them all and let God sort yeah, them out. Yeah, we may just do a... a podcast if nothing else I think we've already been doing one true that is true Dylan's only just now catching up to the present yeah uh, but yeah Groupon too big for its own good now it's just full of crap all, all I care about honestly is if a decent restaurant's on there that that is the level of my interest yeah but even so like for me it's gotta be a restaurant that I will go to by myself because otherwise, I'm gonna spend time like trying otherwise to figure it's an out. Otherwise, it's ordeal. Yeah. Yeah, like you have to get. Also, more than Dylan one enjoys being lonely. No, I'm just saying, like a little that, bit. That is the reality of eating out. That is very. That is very very dark. It's not you, dark. You I went mean, to a dark I'm, place. You went to a dark place. No, it's actually I don't I don't see it as dark because I'm so used to it that like it's okay. Like it's not That doesn't that is not a defense. 
I'm I'm used to being lonely, so being lonely well, is okay. It's the difference between loneliness and solitude. Like you don't like just Dylan, learning I'll never, how I'll to never heal. let you be lonely. Yeah, but you'll always learn... have me. Seriously, you really will. Whether you want me or not. Wow, <laughs> oh, that sounds creepy. He will haunt your nightmares and your waking hours. I'll but, I but, find myself um, uh, drifting further and further away from uh, from society and and the other people in general. So I'm just gonna really have to take a stand and uh, keep some human human interaction going. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I just... like that Dylan is your special project. Yeah. Well, Wait. I think you should refer to him as that. Wait, why your... am I your special project? And your goal with your interaction with Dylan should be to make him prom king. Because you have a dare. Someone, one of your other um, rich white friends said, oh, you you couldn't make uh, such and such king of the prom. And you were like, oh, I bet I could. And, of course, during the course of this whole interaction, you will find that you have fallen in love with Dylan. But at that point, it will be too late. So Not only wait, that, wait, but wait, I'm wait. going to teach him how to speak English properly. Well, obviously, because he, he needs that. And then I assume there'll be some scene where he's about to get on a train and you can't get through all the crowd. So you actually uh, get somebody to boost you up and you walk on the crowd's heads to go find Dylan before he can get on the train. There might that's, be that. That's a little... If Either anyone, that or I'll, t I'll show him off at the horse races. <laughs> I think we should oh, wait, wait. find My Fair Lady and Crocodile Dundee. Why is no one <laughs> how did, How did this turn into me being the project? Because I thought you said you were also drifting further. I, I am, so I, I don't know, but whatever. I'm running like, with it. Basically, I think what you're suggesting is if we both like see each other as the person with the problem and us you know, and ourselves as the one who fixes it, then... We're going to a weird, dark place full of self-deception. I don't yeah. see you as the person with the problem at all. It's just, uh, you were talking about uh, loneliness and solitude, and I was going to counteract that. Well, no, like, I, I'm, I'm saying, like, the point of, like, being able to eat out alone is fine. And especially, like, that way you can use that coupon anytime you want. It doesn't have to be, like, this big special occasion. Right. And... Every day you know, is that, a special that occasion. That isn't a sad thing. It's not that I. Well, okay, I probably have drifted too far to that side, but it's it's not that I completely reject human interaction. It's just I'm okay without it. Because you're a robot. I'm not a robot. Really? No, he's he's a clone of uh, Shinji's dead brother. That makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> what? I don't know. I just called. I just called you Ray Ayanami. I think yes, secretly we all thought that. version of. Oh, you see. Here's the problem. You know where you went? Huh. To gender bending a character, and well, that is firmly within the realm of fan fiction. Here's the deal. That character already exists in canon. His name is Kwaru Nagisa. That is true, but and and in John's defense, let's be honest, none of us have seen your junk, so there is no there's no proof. There may not be any gender bending involved. You may just be shaving your pubes and sticking them to your face for your beard. We don't know. You know that explains a lot. I don't. <laughs> 
that I, you, you, you have I somehow you randomly hit upon something that makes so much sense to me that I think I must have believed it for years. I almost want to correct you, like correct your science and go, no, you could take like hormones and, and <laughs> yeah, and then you're just legitimizing it. <laughs> yeah. I, wow. Way to, I, way to tell us your whole plan, Dylan. You, was, you, you are a bond, Dylan. So, wait, wait, wait. What's Charlie, your end game, Dylan? What's, what's the, what's the end result? My gender is for you to see me naked. That, uh... Wow. Whoa, whoa, Dylan, calm down. You were the down. one who said... We're friends, not friends. I, know, I didn't know it was going to be that said, kind of live stream. Neither of us has yes. seen... I, I'm just is saying... This, is this your end game, Dylan? Is this, is this the whole point of gluing pubes to your chin is because you <laughs> want me to see your junk? Was, I don't. This, this plan years in the making, this, this is the culmination of all your planning. No. I, you, need to, you need to shoot a little higher. I, I think, I think you, could, you could do a little brainstorming, come up with some goals that are, that are perhaps, uh, perhaps a little more reasonable. Um, a little higher up, I think, would be good. You're shooting kind of low. I, you know, I'm not willing to spend any more time on this discussion. Of course not, because we're on to your secret. You have no testicles. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm pretty sure my driver's license says I'm a male. Wasn't there a, um... Unless the picture on your driver's license is a picture of your scrotum. Doesn't count. Because we all know what happened to Hank Hill. That's right. I was about to say, this was a... Uh, he got blown up in a propane explosion at the Megalomart. This was yep. a gag already. What are you wanting us to gag on? He's not... Uh, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> oh... It's getting weird. Can we go back to something? It's getting weird. It got weird. Now that I've killed the conversation, let's move on. Yes. <laughs> That's not for John to kill the conversation. Someone suggest a topic. Uh, let's see. What have we talked about? Uh, or uh, haven't talked about? Uh, we, meant, we, didn't, we weren't recording when we were talking about like Castle Ravenloft. And... No, no, we weren't. And I wish we had been. You weren't but, even on then. You were you were off tinkering with something. No, I was on and off. I mean, I was I was trying to listen to the podcast so I could see if I had the recording set up right, which I didn't. But I still heard bits and pieces. So, what was your take on it? That means you, Dylan. Actually, I'm I'm trying to think. Like, <laughs> no, is, I, I actually did miss part of he's, that. No, he's listening to most of it. Oh, Castle Ravenloft versus Legend of Dritzt, or I don't know. Well, okay, okay, okay. Here's the question: so, If you've played both, then uh, what do you think? Could you combine them, or do you think there's a noticeable like level difference between the two games to where it would make, say, it more difficult for the Castle Ravenloft characters in the Dritzt game? Well, I've I've been through the event deck on both of them, or the mm. encounter deck, and I remember I remember the encounters on Castle Ravenloft being more difficult. Really? Um, like I I vaguely remember there being more like attack everyone on the tile. It may be because we avoided those when we played Legend of Dritz, 
But on the flip side, I actually remember there being some vaguely beneficial events in Castle Ravenloft, and I don't remember that for Legend of Dreads. No. <laughs> no. Really? Of course, when I say beneficial, I don't think we got to this when we played, um, well, when you played, but there's an event in Castle Ravenloft that says um, the active player can refresh one of their uh, daily or utility powers, mm. but if you don't have a spent daily or utility power, then you take one damage. Oh, wow. So basically, like, if you haven't burned something already, you're screwed. But the, there are things in the, the instructions that talk about, you know, the curse cards in Legend of Dritz can be combined with curse cards from other games. Hmm. But the instruction booklet, I, I may have missed this because I haven't read the directions as closely on this as I normally would just because 90% of the combat is regular D&D. But there's not, there doesn't seem to be a real clear guide on how to combine the two or the three. So, but it's so it said, but it did say you could combine the curse cards. It implied that they could be used together, like they could affect each other, but it didn't say how. So like it didn't say, oh, you know, well, if you want to play this variation, add in the curse cards from the other two games. So uh, that's what I'm wondering is, are they just, I wonder if they're implying more variation or if they're saying you can combine curse cards because that's all you'll be able I feel to like I combine. need to do a little more research, like <clears throat> check the forums, check uh, some of the online, because I think you can actually download additional adventures to play. Oh, that's cool. I, and it doesn't surprise, and I would, and I'm sure that someone has already attempted to combine the games. So yeah, and I'm sure there's house rules, you know, outside of. Yeah. It seems like at the very least it'd be easy to just you know use the characters from either game in that. Yeah, I actually did when we played. Like I used the cleric because there wasn't. A oh yeah, you're right. You did. Um. I'm sure some of that could be unbalanced because I'm sure the characters are kind of built for the scenarios. For specific roles, anyway. Yeah, so you pull in a character from another game and it's not as balanced. Oh, I mean, it you could actually go the... either way on that. You could, you could screw yourself over because, you know, you're not expected to need a healer. Or you could help yourself out because, you know, they assume that people wouldn't be gaining life back so often. Right. Interesting. I would not have thought of that. What was that? What's the third game? Uh, Wrath of a Shardalon. And I don't know what that is a reference to. Hmm. I'm not like I know either. You've got Forgotten Realms and then Ravenloft, but I don't know if that's like something else. Like Eberron or just generic Greyhawk, uh, Greyhawk or what? Yeah, I kind of. I know they didn't come out. Or did they? I can't remember if they came out with a um, Dragonlance for 4th edition, but it'd be kind of cool to have those characters as well. But yeah, You said it was called I'm, Wrath of Arshdalon? Or Shardalon? Shardalon, I think. Well, let's take a look. See what we can find out. To the Google. To the... <laughs> Quick, everyone, to the Google. Copter. Dirigible Zeppelin. The Mobile. Google Copter. 
Google Copter. Uh, Breath of a one. The box set itself, or like the box art itself, doesn't seem to be specifying. It's just got a red dragon. Yeah, uh, I think that's like the whole... Challenging quests, blah, 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 blah. I really, actually, what I probably need to do is dig through Board Game Geek, because they've got a good um, explanation of... Um, I found the bonus adventures for Wrath of a Shard Long. Hmm. Yeah, there's nothing that I'm seeing that, that really specifies a setting for it. So it may be setting free. I wonder, what what settings are they even supporting now? As, I don't know. Well, they're getting right. They're doing like the public beta for 5th edition... Oh, really? Yeah, which frankly looks to me uh, to be a lot like 3rd edition. I don't think that's a bad thing. I, I think it's a horrible thing. But so that's we, a, does anyone different... can finally get Chad to start playing D&D again? Probably. He, he has agreed to play 4th edition before, but he... But never publicly. I think he would... <laughs> I was going to say, he would either have to, like, we would either have to arrange a game somewhere else or you would have to deal with the dogs and uh, that's in your court buddy I fear the dog storm I I don't know like I I like the idea of 5th edition going back kind of backpedaling on some of the more MMO ish aspects but Mm-hmm. They can also break it horribly by trying to make it all things to all people. Well, like third, go ahead. Sorry. The the problem that I have with them going back to more of a third edition style is it goes back to that problem of you know if you're playing uh, essentially what's a low level game, um, you know looking over classes like you know the wizard and cleric. It doesn't look like you've got a lot of options uh, once your spells per day run out. It's not like they really? left. It's not like they left you with that same sort of utility that uh, the at will powers gave you. See, now that's, that's I find that really weird because I thought that was like the big point. That always seemed to that when when fourth came out, that seemed to me to be like the big point. Like the big selling point was that no matter what class you're playing, you will always be useful. Yeah, and that's yes. kind of been my problem with with what I've seen of it. Um, like if if they had if they had gone to like a more traditional third edition spells per day format, but left wizards and clerics with that sort of, mm-hmm. you know, you have these combat options all the time that are useful. Yeah, um, I'd have been way more into it. But well, I what so I they've like... taken that away. It looks it looks like it. It looks like they've gone back to a traditional, you know, like I said, it, it reminded me very much of third edition with skill dice, which I, I, I haven't read to see how that works. It would be interesting for us to play the beta. Oh, yeah. yeah I agree. Uh, but that's very, I find that just extremely odd because, I mean, unless just fourth edition was not selling well, you know, what? Why? Why go back? You know, I mean, are they? Do they lose that many players? Because honestly, it seems to me that 
the people that wanted to play third edition are probably still playing third edition. Well, so, like, I, making a fifth edition that goes back more toward third. No, those people already have their books. You're not gonna you're not gonna get them to start buying new books. Well, not necessarily because especially if you look at what they did with fourth edition, they're banking on online services and and actually like a more third edition game with better tools mm-hmm. could actually make things easier to generate characters and things like that. Um, mm. But what they're doing, like, they're selling that type of stuff. They were selling, you know, all these little accessories, not necessarily books. So I can see if a bunch of people start hating on fourth edition and are only going to buy the core rule books. There's really no point. Hmm. Yeah. Like, you're not going to sell to them. So I think the problem, the real problem, I think, is that third edition is good for one type of game. Fourth edition is good for another. And, you know, I don't think you're going to have, like, the one true system. Yeah. And the whole modular thing may get around that, but it may just end up making everyone hate them. And what's the, what do you mean modular system? They've talked about, and I haven't read much up on it recently, like anything past the, you know, the early announcements that, yes, this was actually being tested. Um, Apparently, they're making it like uh, Unearthed Arcana, where, Mm -hmm. you know, you've kind of got the base system, and then you can layer in additional rules if you want. Um, Interesting. that was what they claimed early on. That may have changed. I mean, you know. Yeah. Huh. Odd. Uh, uh, again, I'm I'm like the one guy who doesn't see an MMO when he plays fourth edition. I see a very useful, balanced, and and fairly open system to play with. But mm. it's yeah. But I think. I think, like, when I say MMO, I think what I really mean is it's heavily focused on encounters. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, like, your usefulness revolves around... Your usefulness is always directly connected to game mechanics, whereas 3rd Edition is more of a tool set. You've got skills. You've got... You've got a lot of... Here's here's the problem I have and, and why... I think we we might even be saying the same things, but I think there's a real disconnect here. Um, third edition, um, there, there's a you know it's not just having usefulness tied to mechanics; it's about not being tied down by the skill system. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt that third edition tied you down a little bit more because there were so many skills for different things. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, I want to do this. And it could be something fairly mundane, like go around and, and ask people for information. Well, you know, you'd have to do a gather information check. Um, mm. And, of course, this this can be altered a little bit depending on who you're playing with and how they're running things. But um, in in 4th edition, uh, I always felt like, even if I was playing a character that wasn't, you know, necessarily a skill-based class I could still do stuff out of combat and and 
in third edition, I very much got the feeling that there were in combat classes and there were out of combat classes, and there was never a yeah. happy medium between the two. Yeah, like the, I, I can the rogue see. was very much an out of combat class. Oh yeah, um, because the rogue was always tied to, you know, being around somebody else to do sneak attacks. Um, wizards, kind of the same way. You know, you did your one or two spells, but you had other utility spells that were useful at other times, you know, like exploring a dungeon. Um, mm-hmm. In 4th edition, um, you know, wizards always had useful offensive and defensive spells. I always thought the cantrips were really good in 4th edition. Um, and then people can just play, you know, like the, the non-explorative, non combative uh, experiences any way they want to. You know, when mm-hmm, you're, when yeah. you're going around talking to NPCs, which is a big part of the game that people you, know, you don't talk about because you know, if, if you're just discussing it with people randomly, it seems kind of boring. Um, but it's a huge part of the game itself and developing your character. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always felt because I like playing you know, uh, characters that when you are in combat, which isn't necessarily... A lot in D&D. It's not as much as you'd think. Unless you're running like a pre-written adventure where it's like, you go here, there are monsters here. You know, which... Eh, anyway. Yeah. Um, it, especially if you're playing on a long campaign like I did. Um, got got to be very awful because you could go for... You know, if you're just playing once a week, you could go for maybe a month without ever doing anything interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why I really liked fourth edition because there was so much balance between all the classes in and out of combat. Yeah, I think I think they did that well because it's harder to create. Like the there's a narrower gap between like what kind of character you can create. It's easy to create a high powered character versus a completely useless character in third edition. Fourth edition kind of narrows that gap so that. You're never completely useless, but you're never completely like outshining all the other characters. Hmm. I think, and and that's like I, I think fourth edition does a lot of good things, but I, I think for me it's more of a flavor thing. Like combat is the thing I have to get through, um, so I can solve more puzzles and and you know explore more and things like that. So when you know, when you hand me a character sheet that says you are defined by, well, for example, like, you know, you can heal, you can, you're, you, you can turn any s- existing spell into a heal, you know, you, like a lot of the, the spells that bards have. That was why I played a bard a lot because there was so much you could do with those. It was, you know, things like prestidigitation and, Mm-hmm. You know, ghost sound and all that like it was this utility now that's kind of further down the character sheet and you're defined by you know what you can do in combat which again is not a bad thing it's just more of a focus and a flavor thing well, I think that's defined by you and who's running the adventure because um, you know if I'm if I'm playing a melee character uh, you know especially out of combat that doesn't mean much yeah, um, you know, I I can I can have, yeah, you know, I, I tend to favor playing you know these uh, 
sort of quirky characters out of combat where, you know, they'll run around and, and talk to people and just do weird shit, but, you know, I, I can be the guy who gets information. Um, I don't just have to be the guy that intimidates people and breaks down doors. Right. But I, I, I understand that. Like, it's not that they're eliminating the possibility of that. It's more... I, I don't know. I think for me, like, if you look at... The... the the spells and the skills you get all are very, very tactical in, um, or not skills, but the spells and the powers you get in fourth edition are all very, very tactical. Mm-hmm. And I almost don't want to deal with that. No, let me swing a sword and then let me, you know, think of interesting ways to use those spells. And those no, weapons. thank you. Um, uh, I, I am, I am so tactically minded in these games, and always have been, that um, there are character classes in 3rd edition that, to me personally, are completely unplayable. They're just so boring. I agree in the sense that 3rd edition got so bad. Well, later on in in 3rd edition, they were straining for classes that they kept coming up with these classes that were very, very mechanics-heavy. Yes. that's the thing, same thing I hated in 4th edition. But the fact that I, I have to think about tactics and not tactics in what would I really do if I was in this situation and had these abilities at my disposal, but tactics as in game mechanics kind of takes me out of the experience. And, you know, I'm not saying 4th edition is bad. It's just, for me, I don't want... See, I think that we have, we have officially reached the crux of the issue, Dylan. Because yeah. I love that shit. I will do that to death. <laughs> I love thinking tactically. I love thinking about ways to use those powers creatively. How you know, I the first thing I like to look at is okay, how are they wanting me to use this and what can I do that they didn't think I would do? Hmm. And and that stuff that's why I love fourth edition, because there's so many interesting things you can do with some of those powers. Yeah, and and I see, I see, because I, I I get that as well. When playing fourth edition, I do kind of enjoy it when I find figure out some sort of combo like that. But at the same time, like I feel like it's forcing me to think inside this box where only tactics matter, and everything else is kind of eh. In, in combat, tactics are the only thing that matters, especially in a, in a D&D game, because everything is so... The, the game itself, even in 3rd edition, um, you know, where you had grids and maps, and uh, you know, everything is turn-based. It's, it's extremely tactical to begin with. Yeah, and I think it, as, you know, from 3rd edition to 4th edition, there was a huge leap in that. And, and it was one of the things I noticed in third edition compared to games like BSM and seventh C and, and things like that is, um, D and D wants kind of the rules to be, um, the same. It wants it to be consistent over all play styles. You don't have to use all the rules, but it's very easy to make sure that, you know, player, neither the player nor the GM 
um, basically gets too powerful. And I think you get more and more of that as you add in more tactics. But other systems kind of recognize there's got to be some sort of trust between the player and the GM, and they're more <laughs> about storytelling over tactics, where D&D is storing, storytelling through tactics or with tactics. I, I have been burned, and I think Dylan and Charlie, you guys like know exactly what I'm talking about. I've been burned by that trust. No, and, I, and, I and I'm unwilling to cede it back. I've had, I've had this discussion with. Uh, actually, I had this discussion with Henry because we were talking about D and D one time, and he's never played, but um, Devin really? and Brandon and I have. He's and never he was played. Just like, what? He's never played. Yeah, it surprises me because he gets into like a lot of complicated board games. He gets into a lot of video games. I'm pretty sure but, I've talked with him, unless I'm thinking, unless I'm hallucinating. I've talked with Henry about like the Forgotten Realms books and stuff. Yeah, huh. yeah. I mean, he's into all the other things that that you should be into. That you should um, be into. Not you I like that you've got a checklist. You, be, you know what I mean. There is a checklist. If if you're into D and D, if you're into D and D, you're probably into these other things. But Dylan should be the one who writes uh, shit for Amazon. Uh, people who who bought this also uh, looked at. But he um he didn't get that because he was like, "What do you do if someone misbehaves? Like, what if you do if you run into a power gamer?" I'm like, "Well, you generally, you know, have to." There has to be some trust. Like you can't. There's you know, there's stuff that you can do. I mean, there I, is, but it's it's I, one of those things where uh, I think a good balance between story and action is key because um, I I don't know that I like the term power gamer because it implies sort of a dishonesty. Um. I, I think that people could see me as a power gamer because, again, uh, we, we've discussed my love for strategy and tactics uh, as it pertains to D&D. Um, so that's very much in my mindset when I go into creating a character. You know, there's a in-combat and an out-of-combat mindset that I feel like has to go into character creation. Um, but having a lot of out of combat experiences and a lot of rewarding NPC interactions and things like that I think um, it, somebody who's just looking to have all the cool moments which is sort of a you know part of the, the power gamer stereotype mm. I think that kind of keeps them from doing that like you, you, you can't you can't whore all the attention if you're not actually in combat all the time. Yeah. Well, I I wouldn't say that power gamer to me it doesn't convey necessarily dishonesty, like because cheating is a whole other issue, and there are you know there are power gamers who cheat and not I I don't even know that you would say everyone who cheats is a power gamer. No. Yeah. No, there's, I wouldn't. There's an overlap, but I wouldn't say it's it's necessarily a rule. I guess the way I, I think. Would well, I think I think what you're thinking is there's the there's the 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 common 
whether misconception or not, that people that tend toward the term power gamers they're thinking about put, the, put the, such an emphasis on winning that they are more likely to cheat. That may not in any way be the case. A cheater is a cheater, whether they're a power game or not. Like you say, they're different things. There's some overlap, but they're also different things at the same time. Well, I think it's also like it, like you say, a, a power gamer is someone who wants to win. And I think that's kind of the definition. Like what do you define as success? What do you define as winning? I think, you know, people on the power gamer side of the spec spectrum don't see anything other than winning like that. That is the goal. And I think people on the other far extreme of the spectrum go like, okay, yeah, there's good storytelling in rising action. There's good storytelling in getting your butt kicked and having to retreat and falling action. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's more a question of what you're looking for in the game. I think, I think that's, that's where DMing really comes into play because um, there's understanding that you're in a situation where, you know, things are not going your way and that's part of the story versus feeling like you're getting cheated. Yeah. And it's hard, it's, especially in a lot of games of play, it's hard for some DMs to walk that line. It's like, how how do I all but tell you that this is a fight you're supposed to lose? Yeah. And, and, then, when, That's... and then when things start going a little bit suspiciously, you know, it, you, you know, you're talking about, you know, having that trust between the players and the DM. That's where that trust starts to crack a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a really tough line for any DM. I mean, I don't care how experienced a DM is, how good they are. I, I think it's one of those things that's always difficult is is walking that line between. And, and basically, it's a, it's a line. I, I think it's defined by control of who's who's controlling the the encounter, the scenario, the situation. Is it the players or is it the DM? Um. When in a, in a perfect scenario, there's 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 obviously some there's give and take. I mean, everybody's got to walk that line. Well, but there's all difficulty in doing so. To some extent, it's both, and even to some extent, it should be the dice rolls. Like, I believe it's okay. You know, it's okay to lose even if you're not, even if it's not expected. And I kind of think it, it's kind of like the the uh, kind of the rule of improv. Like, you just you never say no. You just go with it. Yes, and. Yes, yes, and. That's yes, actually, you know, that is that is a really excellent point. That is a fantastic point, actually, that I, I, that might be like the one tool that a DM needs. I mean, if I could think of one tool that I as a DM would want, it would be um, knowing how to improv, like like being able to take like improv lessons or, you know, do improv with some people like that. Because there's so much, because you have that variable of the dice, um, there, you've got to know how to roll with it, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah, and that's that one. That's another really tough one, and that's that's what can throw that balance too out of whack between who's in control and and how things are going. Can be that inability 
to like if you've got it as a dm if you've got this script that everyone has to that that the situation the story has to stick to yeah. sooner or later the dice is going to fuck that up for you and god i've played in those games yes. yeah and i've y- tried to run those <laughs> yeah i'll be honest i and, that's and, my problem as a dm and i'll be honest I intentionally try to fuck those up at every turn. If if I know I'm being, you know, like, there, there's a difference between like having. I and and here's the number one thing, thing that as as somebody who loves to play way more than he loves to DM, and so when I DM, I always try and think about this, and then I realize that other players don't think the same way that I do. But the thing I always love, and the thing that I always think in an ideal sense would help both the players and the DM is if you know it is when you talk you have an understanding of, of who your character is and why he's there because I think that's the number one problem for a lot of groups um, because what ends up happening is and and somebody correct me if I'm wrong but you know you always have one or two people that they don't really care about what's going on. They just want to play, which there's nothing wrong with that, but it mm-hmm. creates a problem. When you're just there to play and you're not willing to contribute to the story in your own way for your for your character, it, you know, it's it cuts it it harms that dynamic that is at the core of the game of the DM and the players collaboratively telling a story. Yeah. Um, I, I can see it, but it's interesting because I, I think it depends on the mix of the players. The real problem you get is when you have in a group of players, some that are that way and some that are the other way that, because if you had everybody that yes. was there, just what was there just to play and wasn't, didn't, you know, didn't have a firm grasp of their characters and they're just want, and they're just there to play and have fun and, they're, they're and just, whatever. They're just the there next, to kill shit. Yeah, then that works. And likewise, if you have a group of people that are like invested in their characters and invested in telling a story, that also works. Unfortunately, you're never in in all likelihood going to have it. I've never had that. Yeah. I can't yeah. call well, no. I think I've been in the other the other group where everybody in the no, nobody in the group was so invested, was all that invested, but it was still a lot of fun because nobody could be, no, there was nobody to be upset, you know, because things, because the story wasn't progressing. So that worked. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been, like you say, I don't think I've ever been in the group where everybody was invested and wanted to tell the story. I, I, well, I, I may have been, but just don't recall it. It also but. depends on the type of story you're talking about. Um, you know, because a Saturday morning cartoon is different from a, you know, a dramatic thriller is different from an action movie, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. So, I mean, you can like you can have this kind of cartoony play style with characters who aren't fully invested in the story and are, you know, aren't necessarily even invested in their characters. Mm-hmm. But that's not going to work if you're telling an extremely dramatic story. Yeah. Hmm. But and like, not everything has to be this big collaborative storytelling sort of thing. But 
I think I think the reason like power gamers are looked down upon is because it makes it tough for collaborative storytelling because that sort of storytelling it's kind of like comedy like it requires laughing at yourself and showing <clears throat> a certain amount of vulnerability mm. and you know if if you don't get that it's kind of like you know trying to tell a joke with someone who just isn't is super serious all the time <laughs> yeah there's there are a lot of i think there are a lot of sort of negative um connotations with the stereotype of the power gamer that and that is one of them too is is an over seriousness which again is not going to be the case for all people that you might label as power gamers i think it comes down to everybody's played with someone they thought was a power gamer that had one of these traits um to some extent or another and and that uh, yeah the over seriousness can be one of them the 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 fun is only in winning is one of them and again, that's not going to be true for anybody for just anybody that you would label as a power gamer um, by any means. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I've D and I've had less of a problem with power gamers, if only because at least in D and D, everybody has a goal, like a like you yes. know, a goal in common, whereas. Power gamers, where they really get their bad rap, and then then they drag it, and then that bad rap follows people that are power gamers into places like D and D, is more from the the player versus player type games. Yeah, and, that, and that's would... and, and when you think about, and I think if you think about some time that you've been playing a game with a power gamer, and it was a really negative experience. I I, I have the feeling chances are for anybody that would listen, it, anybody listening, it would be. Um, it wouldn't be a cooperative. It probably would not be a collaborative game. It's oh, probably going to be a player versus player type game. Yeah, it could be cooperative, but people could be, you know, but it could be basically one player railroading. Because yeah. I know I've I, I've felt like I've done that in games before, where I'm not necessarily. It has nothing to do with my stats, but because of the way I'm involving myself in the plot, I feel mm -hmm. like I'm pushing us to go in a direction that maybe everyone doesn't want to go in and well i mean that happens though in every group there's always i think there tends to be someone who kind of takes charge i mean well and sometimes you have a group that's that everybody's like that but i am i'm generally not a person a player that takes charge and the groups i play in a lot of them there might be one or two players that kind of take charge so it kind of works in that you have um one person sort of setting one player who sort of not really setting the agenda but sort of directing everybody but but if everybody else is 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 a good sort of supporter it can still work out i've i i feel like you know between like me and dylan and some of the other people that we play with regularly um i think in a lot of cases um it's one of those it depends on what's going on who takes charge yeah, um, definitely. Like, like obviously, um, for reasons we've already said several times, when combat comes around, I'm usually like, and this is why when they made the uh, the warlord class in fourth edition, I was like, oh my god, there's there's actually a character that bosses people around during combat. <laughs> now I can just say I'm in character instead of being an asshole. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know that that tends to be my thing is you know because especially we, you know we play with people that 
they played D&D before, but you know, you would you would classify them as not super serious about it. Yeah. Um which again, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Um but you know, they don't tend to look a lot at their abilities. You know, they'll have an ability they didn't even know was there. Maybe they had somebody else help them, you know, make their character and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um so you know, sometimes I'll be like, "Hey, you should use this um because then we can do this and that and you know, all this crazy shit." Um, so that tends to be my role. I, 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 I like to think that because I try to think about it and try not to be too crazy with it, that maybe I'm not as bad as I fear I am, but God only knows. You know, you, no, you, you don't, you, like, you don't tend to boss anyone around, I don't think. I mean, I can't, yeah. and... I think Jeffrey or Jen might be a better person to ask about that, but... Yeah, I was gonna say, because they tend to, but even I do that to, to a certain extent. Like I don't want to spend a lot of time reading my character sheet. Just give me the basics and let me do stuff. Like, Whereas you know, I'm, I'm on the me... other spin- end of the spectrum. Like I've probably already had this character made months ago mm. and yeah. I've looked over all the powers and I already have this, you know, idea in mind of what my character d- can do. Now I'm looking at your character and seeing what we can do with that. Yeah. Well, I have the I have the concept. Like I know what he would do. I don't necessarily know what he can do. You know. For me, I, it, it it definitely depends on the game. Like how familiar with in particular with respect to how familiar am I with the game with the rules. If I if I have read the books through then I am going to spend a lot more time creating a character and I'm going to spend and I'm going to know much better what he can do. But with each, as a for instance, with each succeeding iteration of Dungeons and Dragons, I less and less know what my character can do and probably will need more help creating a character. Because yeah. like with, with when I got into D&D, it was advanced Dungeons and Dragons bleeding into like second edition that sort of area the what would that be early early 90s like 93 94 something like that in fact I'm pretty sure it'd be 93 94 so that's when I got in and I read a lot of the books so even though I didn't well and no one understands Thacko um, so I don't I don't count that against me but like I spent a lot more time making characters and knowing what they could do and whatnot. And then with third edition, like I read a lot of the books, but it was more like the flavor stuff, you know, the campaign settings and stuff. Like I wasn't paying a lot of attention to the base rules. It was more the 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 setting specific stuff. So I never under I, in third edition three point five, I never a hundred percent understood combat. Like just never did. So I would need some help. And then fourth edition. It was kind of even more so because I, I read even fewer of the books at that point because I was kind of like I'm not going to rebuy books because what I buy them for, what I tend to read role playing books for, isn't the the rules anyway. Quite honestly, it really is more the flavor and the you know what kind of story possibilities are there. Yeah, I think I've read I've read very little of fourth edition. Me, yeah, same here. I, I mean, I've I've read like the basic rules, but the things like, um, although it's been a while, but the things like the character classes, so much of the rules are class specific that I don't really have any desire to be an expert on every class in general. Um, yeah. 
you want to find the class that suits your play style, you're going to learn about that one, but you don't necessarily need to know what everybody else can do. But actually going, I, I, there are two things I was just thinking of going back to the, um, the aspect of like telling other people what to do and stuff like that. And, and, you know, having to do that in some cases, um, that's what makes this, this is a complete aside and I don't want to make this a complete tangent, but like, that's what makes the, the Battlestar Galactica board game so interesting is every character has to be invested because you're the only one who knows, you know, what you can contribute to skill checks. You're the only one who knows, um, you know, if you're the president or the admiral, there are certain things you can do and no one can stop you. So, mm -hmm. you know, you can be told what to do, but it's it's interesting. There are other games that that kind of play on that sort of teamwork. Yeah, yeah. I've I've played in games of D and D where people, you know, try to conceal things and act on their own with the DM outside of other people's knowledge. Yeah. and those games have never failed to piss me right the fuck off. Yeah. Why are you describing the last game I DM'd, you bastard? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about you, Charlie. I, I am. I'm talking about exact same thing you did. <laughs> I no, I'm talking about like where the players would go off and just like try to fuck the other people over. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'm... Well, when I say when I'm talking about BSG, I mean like the Cylon aspect aside. Just the fact that it is not like. It is not symmetrical where every character is expected to put in the same amount of, you know, or has the same privileges, has the same, knows the same things. Mm. Um, but also I think um, a lot of it depends on the DM. Like, you know, when we played the game, the long running game with Drew, like the great thing about that was he gave us all what we wanted, but didn't allow any of us to use that to take over and in a way again you go back to like you know it's the same um, principle as good comedy like you have to be willing to give up like your vision of what you know your world is like to do that right um, you know and hmm. I, I try and do that on the rare occasion I do run games, uh, you know, I try and have everything as loose as possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, because that is, for one, I don't feel like, you know, uh, having a lot of shit, um, I don't feel like doing a lot of forward planning and then get, and, and even less so doing a lot of forward planning and then just having it all get fucked up anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's that's always the and I am that that I, whole no no plan survives contact with the enemy. Uh, no yes. no no D and D game survives contact with the player group. That is so true, and and that is one of my biggest problems, and that's why I don't like DMing is because I usually I I I tend to get like I start from an overarching concept, but I can get I I, I have a tendency to get very. You know, this is where the story needs to go, so it's very hard for me to play loose like that. So I, I think that's what makes me a horrible uh, DM is again the improv part of it. I'm just not not especially good at. I can um, improv bits and pieces, but I tend to like I tend to define the world before I define the plot. The plot is the impetus that 
forces the players to explore the world. And in some in some cases they don't. I mean, like they don't I, I guess like I, I tend to be the type of person who wants to explore an area, wants to see what's beyond the edge of the map, wants to see, you know, what secrets they can find and it's you know, so I feel very limited if there's a tight plot forcing me to move from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people without that tight plot will just do nothing. Yeah, you, you're very right there. Um, one thing that uh, I discussed recently uh, with somebody on Twitter, and it's something that I keep bringing up every once in a while, is you would have to have a very committed group to do this. But the idea of having um, everyone that's playing, everybody that's in the group having a character, including mm-hmm. whoever's DMing, and then having people rotating around, taking turns um, as the DM. Yes. Um, I like that idea. Because I I, the last time you brought it up, I love that idea. Uh, because it just seems... Um, like that's a great way to keep everyone invested. Everyone kind of uh, gets the the opportunity to run things the way that they want to. They get the opportunity to play as well because it, it's one of those things where it's not that I necessarily hate DMing. It's just that I really enjoy playing way more than DMing. And that's the thing about the group, yeah. you guys, and pretty much most of the people that that I have gamed with in the last like decade has been you know that one of the defining characteristics is nobody really wanted to DM which is why the last several games that I've started with anybody which it's been a while all ended usually after a couple of months of adventures it's because, because nobody really wanted to DM and that's I think that just defines kind of our group which is again why I really love that idea. I think early on we did, but I think we ended up kind of getting burnt out. Like, you know, we had this grand idea and it never turned out the way yeah. you know, we wanted it. So we kind of gave up. I, and... I'm always worried of people that just like to DM, though. Yeah, I, I I'll agree with that. That kind of. I don't know. If, I don't know that that's fair because there may just be people that enjoy that aspect of it for whatever reason. But I'm always. But but because of the very first game I ever played in, I'm very. Uh, I have. I'm very mistrusting of anybody that doesn't want to play. I can see that because that's got the same sort of negative connotation, or it's got its own set of negative connotations, it, like power gamer. That's it's someone who tends to be a control freak. Exactly. Yes. And that is not necessarily always true, but guaranteed, I'm thinking. I, I, I can guarantee you, the three of us and anyone listening that's played D and D or any role playing game, when we brought that up, immediately thought of a name. Yeah. I guarantee you. <laughs> Everyone just had a picture of a face in their mind. <laughs> a face that they wanted to punch. Yeah, I, I, I can guarantee it. It, it, it because it's happened to everybody. And then you get that, and I think that's what builds that sort of negative connotation that everybody that just wants to, to DM is an asshole. And it's, and it's, <laughs> it's simply, it's not true, but 
but again, because everybody has just thought of someone, you see where it comes from. So anybody out there that does like the DM who's not a complete douche, probably like, well, why does why does everybody keep saying this stuff? That's why. Well, you just got your explanation. Okay, this this isn't fair because I don't know any of these people. But if you guys remember uh, a few months ago, you know, I went to that panel at GMX with the guy who wrote several books for D&D 4th Edition for Wizards of the Coast and is working yeah. on 5th Edition. Um, his name escapes me right now, so I apologize. But, uh, you know, I said it was uh, it was a panel about DMing in a room full of DMs, and everybody else there was that DM asshole. <laughs> like, like every time yeah. they they talk with him, you know, he's he's a guy who fucking works for Wizards, and you know, they're like, well, this is how I do it, and I'm just sitting there, you know, I'm I'm, I'm thinking that the the thing that the guy running the panel, the guy from Wizards, was was bringing up all this excellent stuff, and you know, I was taking notes, and and you know, I was, I was really excited about it. And then somebody else would say something that's like, well, this is how I do it. And I'm just sitting there thinking, man, I don't give a fuck. Okay, I already know how you do your shit. I've already you know, played your game. That's a good point. And that's just a that's just a that's just a complaint with a lot of different panels on a particular topic is some of them attract more of that guys than others do, and a DMing panel is guaranteed to attract a huge number of that DMs. You know, I I was not in that panel, but I'm gonna make an argument here. I don't think it's necessarily all of them being controlling DMs. It may very well be the case for many of them. But I think if you've been playing a long-running game in that sort of environment, you know, where there's always conflict between, you know, what the players want, what the DM wants, you know, that, you know, players versus the DM mentality, at mm. some point you're going to like like you don't know how to react. Like you've been in the war zone for too long. You you can never come home. <laughs> and and that is a major problem is that us and them mentality. That's at, whether you're a player or a DM, that is really one of the first things that you need to rid yourself of is the idea yeah. that there's that there's an opposing force here because there isn't. Everybody right. is in it for the exact same reason to have fun. How you have fun may be different, but the whole reason you're there is to have fun and it really only works if everybody works together to have fun. Yes. Whether even if even if your ver- vision of fun is different than somebody else's. Even if you're playing with people that are power gamers and aren't, people that are control freaks and aren't, you still got to realize that you've all got to work together to achieve the end of fun. And if you're not achieving that, then somebody's not showing up next week. <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to achieve the end of fun if we don't achieve <laughs> our end of fun. Um, <laughs> the end of fun. <laughs> see what I did there. Um, that's what I'm well, going to call. That's, like that, the, that is the title of my autobiography, by the way. The end of fun by Charles Dodd. The Charlie Dodd story. The end of fun. <laughs> I think that's kind of how the uh, the round robin. Um, DMing idea like that that would help to stem a lot of that because you have to give up the idea that you have control over world building you yeah. sure as hell have to give up the idea that you're in that there is going to be an overarching plot and you have any say in it you yeah, know this is an interesting actually you know this and I think this ties in even better with the whole improv concept leading to better, yes. better yes. role play gaming is that when you're all DMing that yes and rule 
is going to be even more important that you can't start undoing what a previous, the previous week, previous month, previous games, whatever DM did. You can't go around changing, you know, major NPCs, major plot points, just because you don't like them. I mean, you. But at the same time, you can. You can. Like, well, there oh, is you. You have that power, and you should use that power. Otherwise, you know, the world will stay static. But, well, but no, but you can't. Well, you can't retroactively change them. What you can okay, do? Okay, I see what you're you saying. Can change the sense that you can build upon them. You can do the yes and, but you can't do the no but. That that's just not gonna. It's it's gonna end up. You're gonna be playing every week. You're gonna be playing a different game. Yeah. With, yes. With just with the same character. And and it also cuts down that adversarial us versus them mentality. Uh, of being a DM because um, when you do that or, or when you uh, try and power game or, or glory hog or anything like that, yeah, you know, there will be retribution because you'll have to seek control. That's a good point. See, what we need is just sort of a set of ground rules of looking at, okay, if, if you had people switching up DMing, what are the pitfalls you're going to run into and how are you going to make sure that you don't fall into them? Um, stuff like you know the yes and rule stuff like okay before we even set forth on this campaign let's all come up with the idea of the 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 type of adventure we want to play you know sort of the the basic what is the basic theme is it sort of a western is it sort of a us against the world is it sort of a you know whatever the the basic idea is and then you know that kind of ties in with something that we did years ago where you know uh, I, I had basically got everyone together and had them vote on, you know, what kind of yes. game they wanted to play, what kind of setting it went they wanted to use. Mm-hmm. And I even, I even had them vote on the like everybody would make up, you know, these type of of uh, you know like one of what would now in fourth edition be known as you know the different roles of characters. Yeah. And then you could say okay. And this was back, you know, before fourth edition was even a thing. And it's like, okay, you know, who do you want to to fill this role? And nobody knew who was attached to which character. They were just picking based on the concept. Hmm. Um, now that that may be go, going like way overboard for something like this, but you know, it it kind of ties into that whole idea of yeah, it, it being a collaborative effort. And then another another pitfall that occurs to me, since you have everybody simul- well essentially simultaneously playing and running, is that you could very easily get. I think you. I think you could easily fall into really, really, really passive, lenient DMing because, um, well, I don't want the group to fail because next week I want to be able to do this. Right. That kind yeah. of a thing. Like you've got to, you've got to somehow sort of balance that out too. We really need to write this crap down. We need to write down a just a set of parameters under which you could set up this kind of game, so that really basically anybody could, could do it. I remember when we were doing uh, game night at Chad's, we had this discussion of how we would. It was like the hobo, the hobo game where we and had we the had same basic system, concept. We had a system devised where you would like pass around a hat. And yep. We never played this. Pass around a hat, and you would be the storyteller. But everyone else would have tokens or something that they could use to cancel. It would be completely diceless, like completely statless, completely diceless. That was that would have been uh, a good game if we'd ever gotten far enough to actually do uh, it. 
Like, there's a lot of those concepts that I don't know that they would work for D and D. No, I don't uh, think it would. But as a game know. by itself, I think it would be awesome. Because I do, I, I kind of like, I, I, I almost do kind of like the idea of, like, you have the, I don't know. No, it wouldn't. It would be so hard to get it right. But the idea that you have the DM, but if the DM makes a plot twist that just seems completely awful to everybody. There's there's sort of a way to like veto it, to to change it up a little bit. Yeah, but that would that would end up causing a fight somehow. I think. I think there's got to be a way to balance that out. I just don't know what it is. Honestly, I think there's only so much you can do with rules, because one, it's very easy to go like, it's very easy to convince yourself you're not being that guy, and yes, it is. Two, just. You know, you can't fix a bad game. If people are, you know, if people are refusing to uh, play right, then, like, it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. You also can't fix stupid. No. That is true. Well, you can with a hammer. You can adjust your expectations of what the game should be, but, you know... We need to tr- we need to come up with some parameters for doing this kind of game, and then do it with the um, fifth edition playtest. If we can get a hold of those materials, uh, I've got the materials yes. downloaded. We just have to uh, find a time where everyone can do it. Holy crap! You have stumbled upon the. Uh, the I broke the idea. It's ball. over. It's done. Counted out. That that has broken every idea we've tried that I have that I have been a part of over the last. Uh, since college idea for anything yeah and but but I think uh, part of the success is figuring out what the sweet spot is for uh, amount of time if you say let's do this every week or every month not gonna work <laughs> but at the same time if you don't have any structure yeah but first time you, you slip somebody. it's gone yeah it would, it would be better if we could do it you know, like over Skype or something, because uh, you know we managed to to have done the podcast for five years that way. Maybe maybe yes. we could do a D and D game that way. You know, that is that is a really excellent point. I mean, in person, I think is always better, but we don't think we've ever tried gaming over Skype. Yeah, nope. it's it's one of those things where yeah, if we can game in person, great. But if not, you know that that seems like that would be the way to go because yeah, you're not married to. Oh my god! I have to go all the way out to this person's place, and you know I got to make a big thing out of it. I can just be at home at this time, yeah, and you know yeah. play for an hour or two, and you know that's that's the end of it. I've found yeah, like if you if you make a big thing out of it to begin with, like if you don't, if it if it's gonna last until question marks, you know whether it is it, it, supposed to or not, you're screwed. Yeah. If you do it on a weekend, you're usually screwed because everyone is using that time to do something. And the first time it breaks, it's a slippery slope. Like the first time people can't do it because they got something else going on, it's just over. Yeah. But yeah. Hmm. Uh, we should just at least try a fifth edition game. I think. Yeah, I would really like to just to give it a shot to see why it's awful. We're great. I, I want to no no. I want to figure out why I think it's going to be awful. 
I need I need the opportunity to understand why I think it's going to be awful. I've, I've already decided I'm going to think it's awful. I just got to figure out why. Like I said, I'm, I think the I'm, reason... gonna, I'm, I'm chadding this. I'm chadding this from the from from chadding it up. I'm chadding. <laughs> oh, this is so wrong. I'm um, chadding it up tonight. I I like I said, I kind of bet that it's going to be that third edition works for one type of game, fourth edition works for another type of game, and if you mix the two, you get bland. <laughs> wow. It is a uh, it is a game system looking for a problem. <laughs> wow. Awesome. Uh, oh. Well, I think we may we may have just made, made the made the podcast out of this one. I believe we out of awaiting. We're good at that. Um, yeah, we can probably reschedule the, uh, yeah. we'll title this podcast. Meanwhile, meanwhile, so there's other stuff. Eventually. Waiting for Momo. <laughs> Sorry. That's good. I was going to say, you know why we have time to do this? Because we're not running a convention in, you know, yeah, that's true. A month or three months or, you Which know, I, I need to get our, uh, our press pages for that too. Maybe I'll bring that up uh, while we're trying to reschedule. Who's going to Momocon at this point? Uh, us. Us, I guess. And at this point, I don't know if I'm going to leave. Three of us. We can make it if we try. I just the three of us. You and I. And I, I. I don't know at this point if I'm going to leave, like, take off Friday or just, like, leave after work or something because i i very much doubt i'll be able to take friday off just i think that's when things are gonna start getting really crazy about the time things will be really crazy we'll be either starting crazy or in the middle of crazy at work so i was gonna say now that i think about it we may want to just cut the podcast before we uh start getting into this sounds good well guys join us next time when we'll be doing more exciting things on the chainsaw buffet podcast the podcast that goes and pees in the shower but refuses to admit it. True. At least we're not pooping in the shower like that one dude. Yep. Yep. Tried to stop it down the drain but didn't get all of it down there so then we all found out. Yep. Alright, so we'll see you next time. <laughs>